0: Hey guys, what's up? It's Allie with CRTV and this is Relatable. So it's Thursday and I'm a little afraid that I'm going to be kind of beating a dead horse by talking about this because it's been going on all week. Uh, But I'm going to try to make it a relevant conversation for today for all of us. Uh, We are going to talk about humor and why it is dying a slow, gruesome political death. And then I'm going to answer some of your amazing questions that you guys sent me via Instagram. Okay, so for those of you who haven't been paying attention to every detail of my life this week, that's okay. I don't expect you to, so I'll give you a recap. Uh, My producer and I published this brilliantly edited video, if I do say so myself, uh, jokingly portraying Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and me in an interview. Um, If you don't know, AOC, as I am going to affectionately refer to her today, is the self-avowed democratic socialist who is running for Congress in New York. Uh, She She just recently won her primary there which honestly was an impressive feat because she defeated an incumbent she's only 28 years old and a year ago she was working as a bartender and like I said she is also a democratic socialist which means she is far left um I have said publicly that because of these things her rise to prominence is pretty darn impressive um but that it is ironically, accredited not to socialism, but to capitalism. Only in a capitalistic free society could someone like Ocasio-Cortez go from being a bartender to being a congressional candidate in a matter of a year. Uh, There is no such thing as social mobility in a capitalistic society. There is no such thing as innovation in a capitalistic society, which enables people like AOC to grow her platform on social media. But she doesn't seem to understand that. And as it turns out, she doesn't seem to understand all that much about her own agenda or any of the views that she holds. Um, She did an interview with PBS last week and guys, it was bad. It was bad. If you haven't watched it, you should go watch it. Uh, the interview itself was edited a lot and it still wasn't good. Uh, people on the right and the left berated her for clearly not knowing what she was talking about. And I'm actually going to play a little excerpt for you now. But
1: uh, I am, of course, the, the dynamic there in terms of geopolitics of and the course, war in the Middle East is very different than it, people expressing their First Amendment right to protest. Well, yes. But I also think that. What people are starting to see at least in, in the occupation uh, of, of Palestine is um, just an, an increasing crisis of humanitarian condition. And that to me is just where I tend to come from on this issue. You use the term the occupation of Palestine. Mm. What did oh. you mean by that? Oh. Um, I think it, what I meant is like the, the settlements that are increasing in, in some of these areas and, and places where, um, where Palestinians are experiencing uh, difficulty in access to uh, their housing and homes. Do you think you can expand on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd also just, I, I am not the expert on geopolitics
0: on this issue. Yikes. So, my producer and I, like most people in the country, watched that interview and thought, okay, Homegirl doesn't really know or doesn't seem to know, at least from this interview, what she's talking about. So, we thought, let's have some fun with this. Thus, our satirical video was inspired. We used a tactic that has been used by many uh, comedians before. We didn't claim to give birth to it ourselves. And that is taking pieces of an interview and pairing it with your own questions, but in a way that is obviously a joke. Um, and it's like all satire, taking something to the most absurd degree to make a legitimate point. And that is what we did. Uh, here is our interview.
1: Alexandria, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Do you have any questions? experience that qualifies you for this job? I was growing up during the the Clinton era. um, And then basically when I was in middle school, 9-11 happened.
0: Do you have any knowledge whatsoever about how our political system works? Mm. Yikes. Does that make you a a little bit nervous? Put socialism into your own words.
1: Unprecedented concentration of wealth at the very top, tippy top of the 1%. Wow, I'm I'm kind of surprised to hear you admit that. It, it sounds like what's going on in socialist Venezuela. Mm-hmm. What do you think about what's going on in Venezuela? Just an increasing crisis of humanitarian condition. And to me, it would just be completely unacceptable if that happened on our shores.
0: Well, couldn't that happen here if if we adopted socialism?
1: It's hard to say what direction that that takes. I am not the expert on geopolitics. Didn't you major in international relations in college? Middle Eastern politics is not exactly what's at my kitchen table every night. Venezuela is not in the Middle East. I may not use the right words. (laughs) (laughs) How do you respond to the people who say that socialism has never worked? Capitalism was the most efficient and best economy, perhaps. Abject poverty is at the lowest level it's ever been because of capitalism. Well, I I think the numbers that you just talked about is part of the problem.
0: I... I don't understand. Oh. um.
1: So what do you hope to accomplish when you're in Congress? This is a really good question. So what is it? I just think that that's the wrong question. Okay. So why should voters vote for you? You vote. It's it's democratic.
0: Well, this has been enlightening. Thank you so much for coming on. Now, if you're not watching this podcast on CRTV.com, you can still probably tell just from listening that this is a spliced together interview. Even considering the absolute absurdity of the original interview, this was still too ridiculous to be real. Um, And you hope that people with brain cells actually realize that. And the vast majority of people who watch this got it and they appreciated the joke. Um, I've gotten tons of great feedback from a lot of you guys. However, some people were upset, uh, particularly blue check marks and journalists on the left who accused me of fake news, of deceptively editing a video to make Alexandria look bad. Um, No, she did that all on her own. She really didn't need my help. All I did was make a joke out of an already really bad interview, something that Jay Leno, Stephen Colbert, lots of people have done in the past. Um, As you guys know, I've done another kind of satirical interview with Ben Shapiro where I purposely misconstrued his positions on things. Uh, I've done satirical monologues. I've done skits with Matt Walsh. Um, I haven't done specifically this kind of interview before, but you guys know I do satire. Nevertheless, that didn't stop angry leftists from coming out in full force about this. Uh, I get requests for a comment all day from The Washington Post, from BuzzFeed, from MediaEye demanding that I give some kind of justification for what they called purposely misleading people. I mean, really? Um, I've always been someone actually to give journalists, at least some journalists, the benefit of the doubt, But really, this situation has made me lose a lot of faith. Uh, Here are some of the headlines from yesterday. Washington Post fake Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez interview. CRTV says it was satire after outrage. Mediaite conservative network. CRTV passes off satirical interview with Ocasio-Cortez as genuine. BuzzFeed, a doctored video of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is spreading on Facebook. The Verge, a million Facebook users watched a video that blurs the line between bad satire and fake news. Independent filmmaker behind fake Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, that's me, interview claims video was satire after it went viral. RT, which I don't really know what that is, but apparently other people do. Conservative blogger post fake interview mocking upstart socialist Ocasio-Cortez. Media matters. CRTV's fake interview with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez went viral on Facebook. Hilarious. Hilarious. It's. So great. I am cackling my head off. It's one thing to watch fake news, though, and it's another thing to actually be a part of fake news, to watch it in real time. This is blatantly false reporting, and they know it. The video was never meant to be serious. We obviously weren't in the same room together, me and AOC. It was obviously from a viral PBS interview that she did last week, and these journalists know that. They know that. And yet, they are choosing to falsely report on it because they don't like it. They think that the only people allowed to tell jokes are liberals. They think the only funny kind of joke is a joke that targets Trump or conservatives. How dare someone make a video making light of the ignorance of our sacred golden cow, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez? How dare they? That's not funny. That is serious. And so what they do is, these people on the left, instead of acting like normal sane human beings and just saying, you know, meh, that's, that's not really funny. It, you know, I'll move on. I'll, I'll scroll past it. They tried to discredit all humor in this by saying that it was intentionally mis- misleading and deceptive. They know it's not. They're saying, oh, CRTV only said it was satire after it went viral. Yeah, we clarified because insufferable dolts like you were trying to push this completely untrue idea that we were trying to deceive people. And personally, if I could do it again, I wouldn't have even issued the clarification. There are always going to be people who don't get humor. There are always going to be people, especially on Facebook, sorry, but it's true, who can't for the life of them take a joke. That is okay. I am not going to cater to the lowest common denominator in everything I do. If I have to always say, hey guys, hey, I'm about to tell a hilarious joke. Oh, and it's going to be a joke. And oh, by the way, I'm not serious when I tell this joke. And hey, what do you think about that totally non-serious joking joke that I just said? It's probably not going to be that funny. Again, These pretentious reporters know this. They do. They just don't want conservatives to tell jokes at their expense because it's mean when we do it. Uh, For those of you... Who doubt that false reporting, narrative pushing and fake news is an actual epidemic. I hope this shows you that it's real. Here is a real life personal example of journalists who care far less about the truth than they do about their prepackaged narrative. They would rather push an idea that fits into their own worldview than be inconvenienced by reality. But it wasn't just journalists, unfortunately, that had an absolute conniption over this. Uh, Left-wing verified Twitter just about keeled over. They are just about dead. Uh, So really, the tweet that I guess kind of started this ruckus was by a guy who works for none other but the New York Times named Shane Goldmacher. Never heard of him. He said in a tweet, this faked interview of Ocasio 2018 by CRTV has nearly 1 million views on Facebook in less than 24 hours period. Interview didn't happen period. It takes clips from at Margaret Hoover's show and edits in faux questions, not labeled satire in parentheses other than an emoji. Wow. <coughs> Great detective work by the New York Times. I mean, amazing sleuthing there. Just just incredible. Uh, here's what our, uh, girl, Linda Sarsour said, hashtag fake news. Like it's actually really fake and doctored. Hashtag desperation. Wow, girl, you caught us. Robert, uh, or Roberto Abromowitz. Um, it wasn't, Quote, satire until the Twitterverse called it out. It was a direct attempt to subvert Ocasio 2018's message and position in an effort to derail her candidacy. Nope, she did that on her own. Uh, Rob McDonough said, obviously satire, but have you considered apologizing just because it was plain SHIT? Poorly edited, tired lines about socialists being dumb, etc. Like watching bad political satire from the 1970s. <laughs> Be funnier, FF. F.S. And I don't need to say what that stands for. Robert Mackey manipulated video to create entirely fake interview presented as real by verified account here and on Facebook, where it has over one point one million views. Now it's over two million views, but those are just details in less than 24 hours. Ned Pyle. This guy was going off all day. So a made up interview that didn't happen, not labeled here as satire parentheses, not that this is, quote, satire, just disinformation. He says, he continues on, CRTV works for the GOP, GOP works for Trump, Trump works for the Russians, (laughs) CRTV works for the Russians, transitively go F yourself CRTV. so good. Sophia Bush of One Tree Hill fame talked about it on her Instagram story, calling it criminal, libel, slander. How can someone do this? Um, And of course, none other than our video star Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez herself had this to say. Republicans are so... are so scared of me that they're faking videos and presenting them as real on Facebook because they can't deal with reality anymore. Here's one bona fide truth. Election day is November 6th. I didn't know that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez herself was good at satire. That's amazing. Um, Those are all liberal Twitter celebs. And of course, the candidate herself all in a tizzy over a blatantly edited satirical video. Um, Here's why they're so upset. Number one, the video hit a little bit too close to home for them. It was a little too soon. The interview that she did with PBS was legitimately embarrassing for them, and they don't like making light of it. Making light of it. If they had any sense whatsoever, they would be happy about our version because it was arguably more coherent than her actual interview. Number 2, they don't think conservatives are allowed to use humor. They think you have to hate Donald Trump in order to tell a joke. And the only jokes you're allowed to tell are about Donald Trump and how awful conservatives are. You have to be Sasha Baron Cohen making Republicans look stupid. You have to be uh, Stephen Colbert making the president look bad. These are the only acceptable forms of comedy, according to the left, who think that they monopolize all humor. And because they monopolize all all humor, or so they think, we have to play by their rules or else they're going to come for you. Well, I have news for them. I am not going to back down. I'm not scared of them. I am not going to apologize. I'm not going to stop making these kinds of videos. And look, you might not think the videos are funny. You might think that I am the least funny person that you've ever watched, which let's be honest, that's a little bit hard to believe if you've ever heard Michelle Wolfe or Samantha B open their mouths. But still, maybe I'm not your cup of tea. That's fine. That doesn't hurt my feelings. It's super simple, though. If you don't like a joke, don't laugh. But the vast majority of you, thankfully, do happen to like these videos. I've gotten I've gotten uh, many messages and emails and comments asking for more satirical videos, telling me how much you like my satiric, uh, satirical videos when I'm at events. I have followers come up to me telling me to make more. I know that my audience loves them. And look, I also know that there aren't very many people on the right who do them or who even can do them. Um, It's not everyone's thing, and that's fine. But I have the ability and the desire to do them, so I do. I think that satire is a very effective tool to add a thought-provoking perspective. Maybe you don't. And, and that's okay. We can agree to... To disagree on that. Um, thankfully, in all of this drama, a ton of conservative influencers have been coming to my defense over this, um, or at the very least, coming to the defense of the freedom to tell a joke without having to put an unfunny disclaimer up, which is exactly what the left wants. Um, Ben Shapiro, Michelle Malkin, Dan Bongino, Liz Wheeler, Mark Levin, Michael Knowles, even a non-conservative Yashar Ali was like, dude, this is obviously a joke. Ali does jokes. Uh, Those were just few of the many people on social media who showed me support and encouragement. And I seriously appreciate that because even though the liberal mob is, at the end of the day, in my opinion, completely harmless, it can be intimidating. It can be anxiety inducing and it does help to have the help of conservative influencers who are bigger than me saying, um, this is really stupid and Ali did nothing wrong. Um, now I did have very well meaning people say, look, this is Allie's shtick. This is her thing. She does comedy. Everything she does is satire. And even though I appreciate their intentions, that's not true, um, I am glad that they are defending me, but that is not my whole shtick. I am not a comedian, nor do I want to be. My whole identity is not wrapped in trying to be funny. Uh, You guys who listen to this podcast know this. Half the time we're talking about theology, things like Calvinism, Molinism, predestination versus free will, stuff that most people in the mainstream don't really care about. Or we're talking about the dangers of progressivism, free speech, guns, whatever's going on in the news. I would say 90 to 95 percent of the time we are talking about very serious things. And I've gotten from comments, uh, comments from followers saying, you know, pick a lane, either be a satirist, a comedian, be a Bible teacher or be a conservative commentator. But being all three is just confusing. And I hear you. I hear you. But I'm sorry, I'm not going to pick a lane. I'm just not. Yes, I agree that it might be better marketing and branding wise if I chose one of those identities. If I picked one of these niches and said, I'm the conservative funny person or I'm the millennial theologian or I'm the conservative millennial, which, lol, I have done that. Um, it would be easier. It may be more effective for self-promotion if I build myself as just one of these things. But I don't do the things that I do for the sake of good branding. Um, even the conservative millennial, it really ju- was just what I was. It wasn't try uh, an attempt to go viral. Um, everything you hear on this podcast and see me say on social media is me. That doesn't mean I haven't made mistakes, but I'm talking about in general. This is me. I talk about the Bible because I have always genuinely been passionate about theology. I do satire because I have always used sarcasm and satire to make a point. Um, I talk about conservative politics because I've always been a proponent of the conservative ideology. Um, Ask anyone who has known me since high school or before... If all of these things have always been true about me, I have always been sarcastic, opinionated, passionate about Christianity, passionate about right and wrong, firm in my conservative beliefs. Now, thankfully, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I have been significantly sanctified since high school. But as far as personality goes, I am exactly the same as I have been literally since I started talking. Um, and I am not going to box myself into a certain category just because it helps people comprehend, who I am and what I offer on social media. Will that make my audience smaller? Maybe. Will that confuse people and make some people mad? Probably. But I want people to follow me who like me, who appreciate who I am and everything that I offer. And if you don't, that's totally fine. No hard feelings. Um, If you guys haven't noticed, I am not doing this to be famous one day. Uh, If I was, then there are probably a lot of different tactics I could pull in order to accomplish this other than what I'm doing right now, talking about things like predestination. Um, I started the blog, The Conservative Millennial, a few years ago out of a very genuine desire to help millennials understand what was going on in the primaries in 2016. I started speaking to college sorority girls about the importance of voting, and it was then that I realized how little they know about what was going on in politics. So Um, I started the blog in the hopes of informing some of those people. That's always been my target. I never thought that it would blow up. I had a full-time job. I started making videos, uh, while I still had this full-time job, then one blew up and then another and another and long story short, here I am. And I've learned some things during this time. I've learned that you are not going to make everyone happy. And that if you are trying to make everyone happy, you are going to burn out. That's where having values and having principles comes in. That's where having a purpose that is higher than fame comes in. And I'm, I'm not trying to sound self-righteous like I have it all together right now because I certainly don't. There have been plenty of times when I've cared way too much about what people think of me, when I've said things that I regret. But over time, in the short amount of time relatively that I've been in this career, I've realized just how fruitless that is. And let me tell you, it is a really good and I think an important place to be in once you realize that all of these people on the Internet, all of these people in the media can do nothing to legitimately and ultimately hurt you. You feel free to be who you are and to truly be confident in what you feel you have been called to do. Can the Twitter mob dig up your old tweets? Yes. Can they call you a racist? Sure. Can they even get you kicked off social media and get you fired from your job and prevent you from getting new jobs? Unfortunately, yeah, that's the world that we live in. And I think all of that is really sad and awful. But if fame is not my ultimate goal, if it's not your ultimate goal, and if uh, my purpose is to just be obedient to God and his calling to me, then what can these people really do to me? If worst comes to worst, if they prevent me from ever getting another speaking gig, if and this would never happen, but if they convince CRTV to fire me, uh, they still couldn't take away the things in my life that truly last and truly matter. My faith, my family, my friends, my church, Uh, and they can't even actually thwart, I don't believe, whatever plans God does have for my life. You think God is subject to the demands of the Twitter mob? You think the plans of a transcendent, all-powerful God are going to be foiled by the Washington Post or a few self-righteous blue check marks? No, he's bigger than that. So even when I am tempted to fear and be anxious, which I am tempted plenty of times, um, I have to keep that in mind. And, you know, that's true in all situations. That's something I had to remember in college when I was stressed about something like a test or a project or a relationship or whatever it was. Do any of these things have the power to change what has, what God has purposed for my life is a C on a project, for example, going to determine what he has in store for me. No, because if you are a believer, God has shaped your life for his glory. He has written out every detail of everyone's life and especially believers uh, so that they glorify him. And he is not going to let something like a grade change that. That's not to say that our choices don't have real consequences. They do. But it is to say that God is in control of the seemingly scary. So anyway, that's actually besides the point that I was going to make. Uh, And what I really want to highlight here in all of this drama that I've been experiencing the past few days is is what is, uh, currently occurring that I call the death of creativity, um, that's happening in our politically correct, perpetually outraged, overly sensitive culture. Uh, comedy is just one example. Now comedy is subjective. And like I said, if you don't like a joke, don't laugh, it's fine. But I don't think it's just my personal opinion that late night shows and liberal comedians are way less funny than they used to be because they've been hyper politicized and specifically hyper anti-conservative and hyper politically correct. Um, We have seen the slow death of comedy because no one is allowed to say anything that is remotely offensive, uh, particularly to a group that the left says is traditionally oppressed. But here's what's interesting. I don't think that you have to be offensive in order to be funny. In fact, if all you do is blatantly and purposely offend people in your comedy, then you're probably not funny. You're probably just a jerk. But instead of comedians saying, "Okay, so we're not allowed to be politically incorrect in our comedy. That's fine. Let's get creative in how we tell good jokes that aren't terribly offensive to one group. No, they haven't done that they've said, no, we're going to abandon creativity altogether. Now we're just going to be terribly offensive to another group, aka conservatives. And this is the indication that comedy has died, or at least it's dying. Every single comedian, it seems, has the same exact shtick. Make fun of Donald Trump. Make fun of conservatives. There's no creativity in that. There's no boldness, nothing that is daring, nothing that takes a bit of effort. That is comedians way of avoiding outrage, Um, avoiding outrage that is always associated with saying something against a liberal or something that is politically incorrect Uh, You know what would actually be funny and bold? An equal opportunity comedian that makes light of everyone and everything, including his or herself. That's why I love the Babylon Bee, for example, which I happen to write for. Uh, They make fun of liberals and conservatives. They make fun of themselves as Christians. And it's really funny. People on both sides are mad all the time. And I think that's great. Good humor is always going to make someone mad. I don't think its sole purpose is to make people mad. Some jokes are just legitimately mean and inappropriate, in my opinion. But good humor might always hit someone's nerve, and that's okay. Um, Especially when it's used in a satirical way to make a legitimate point, someone is always going to be upset. And by the way, people have been saying satire is supposed to be funny. This Alexandria video wasn't funny. Well, A, it's not funny to you, (laughs) and okay. And B, satire is actually not always supposed to be funny. Satire is not always. laugh out loud funny. Sometimes it's just ha funny. It makes a serious point. It might not be hilarious and that's okay. But we've lost all creativity also in not just in comedy, but In a lot of things, entertainment in general, in movies, music, TV shows, every market now is oversaturated with politicized content that doesn't make any point rather than push a progressive agenda. We are losing our ability to create because we're only concerned with clicks. And what gets clicks is advancing a particular narrative. Um, I'm not saying there's no creative people out there, no good creators, but it does seem like that is getting more and more rare. Um, Anyway, that's all I have to say about that it's all absolutely absurd. Oh, and also thank you guys so much for supporting me and for following along. Um, and I did want to tell you, uh, because of that, in honor of you guys and all of this, uh, CRTV is doing a promo. They're offering a discount with promo code AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez for $20 off a CRTV subscription and 30 days for free, which is just awesome. Hardcore trolling. I love it. So you should take advantage of that. That way you can watch this podcast in its entirety every Tuesday, Thursday. Okay. Now I have some of... Uh, some questions that you guys sent me on Instagram that I'm going to answer that have really nothing to do with what we just talked about. They're just really good questions, I think. Um, so someone asked me, hi, Allie. I was just curious on what your opinion is on people who fly Confederate flags at their homes and trucks, um, especially in my home state of Pennsylvania. OK, so I My take on this is a little bit nuanced, I think. So I think a lot of conservatives say, you know, free speech. You should be able to, uh, you know, wave whatever flag you want to and you know, the Confederate flag stands for Southern pride, not anything racist. And on the one hand, of course, I agree with free speech. People should be able to fly a flag that they want to. I don't think it should be illegal. Now, I think that people can be outraged about that. They can be offended uh, by the Confederate flag. I was raised in Texas thinking that the Confederate flag was a symbol of racism. Uh, My parents just raised me thinking that. And now they are not anti. They weren't anti-South or anything like that or anti-Confederacy when we were talking about the the war uh, or the Civil War. But they did teach me that uh, the Confederate flag nowadays is a symbol of racism and a symbol of slavery. Now, I don't think that everyone that waves the Confederate flag has that intention. I don't think that they're all saying, oh, uh, we don't like African-Americans. Um, I personally have just I, I don't. I don't know. I don't see the benefit in uh, waving a Confederate flag when you are an American. What's the point? Do you have Confederate pride? Why do you have Confederate pride? I have American pride. And I'm not saying we should acquiesce to every single person's uh, hurt feelings, but in that case, you know that categorically and generally, that represents something that has caused a lot of pain, legitimate pain for a lot of people. We're not just talking about feelings. We're actually talking about um, a really egregious sin that America committed once upon a time. And I'm just not sure if we should be waving flags that represent that era. Now, again, I'm not judging the hearts of every single person that wave a Confederate flag. And I'm not saying it should be illegal or anything like that. But I am saying that I understand why it's offensive. And I I wouldn't love it if someone that I knew and loved was waving a Confederate flag. I'd probably be like, what's wrong with you? Um, so that's my take on that. Uh, another question is, how about some encouragement for those of us who voted for Trump but or uh, voted for Trump uh, for obvious reasons, but struggle with how awful he is? I wouldn't change my vote but he's awful and it's so hard when he is lying or being shady about something every other day. Um, Okay, so I appreciate this question. I don't think that he is awful. I think that he has done some pretty bad things. And you guys know who have listened to this podcast that I am willing and ready to call out Donald Trump when I think that he is wrong. We all know that he's tactless. Some people like his tactlessness, his lack of decorum. I personally think that he should tweet things less, that he should be a little bit more civil uh, than he currently is. A lot of people disagree with me on that. Nevertheless, I voted for him and I'm glad that I voted for him. I think obviously he was a much better alternative to Hillary Clinton um I had an entire episode on this uh it was like one of my very first episodes that I did and talking about, okay, how can I as a born again Christian who talks a lot about my faith, support someone who has obviously been unfaithful to his wife um, and who doesn't necessarily represent the values and morals that I say that I have as a Christian. And how I answer that is, well, I don't feel like I have to support every single thing that Donald Trump says and does in order to say, you know what, his policies are pushing liberty in the right direction. Um, And that's what I think. And I think in the long term and in general. For America, a president who is pushing liberty in the right direction is good for us. Now, the question comes into play, and I've talked about this like I did on the previous episode that I just referred to. When does decency actually matter? When do you say, "Okay, yeah, this person believes in all of the uh, in all of the same policies that I do. But he's, you know, not a moral or decent person. And I think that is something that we have to wrestle with. For example, Roy Moore, I didn't support him, Um, but he probably would have advanced a lot of the policies that I liked. But I just thought that his past was too far. It was too much him messing around with underage girls. Um, so I don't have an easy answer for that. I think that we have to take everything that Trump does case by case, call him out when he's wrong, say, okay, this was indecent. This was immoral. This was something that I don't agree with. Obviously, I hate that he's been unfaithful, especially with porn star gross. And I think that we can call that out. What I don't agree with is defending him wholesale just because we voted for him. I don't understand that. Don't tie yourself to any politician. And if at one point, maybe one day I'll say, you know what? It was actually wrong of me to support him. I don't know. Um so far he's done a lot of good for our country. Like I said I don't always agree with him, but the policies that and the agenda that he is advancing, he and his administration are advancing, I think have been really good for the country and I think we're in such a better position than we would be if, than if Hillary Clinton uh were president. So Anyway, all that to say, I don't think it has to be an easy answer. I think it's something to wrestle with. Um, I think you criticize him when he's wrong and you praise him when he's right. And uh, you make sure that in your life you're being obedient and sticking to your own values. And don't, like I said, uh, pledge allegiance to any politician because they all change. Um, Okay, that's it for today. Thank you guys so much for watching and for listening and for following along. And I will see you guys back here on Tuesday. Have a great weekend.